0: welcome to our sport fuels life podcast where we're bringing you interviews with coaches and athletes at the top of their game
1: this is a community to support coaches athletes and fans who share a passion for making the world a better place through athletics we're your hosts i'm megan and i'm scott welcome to sport Fuels life
0: have you ever experienced anxiety going through a transitional period in life
1: high school to college college to your first job making a big move across the country.
0: When met with uncertainty, these life transitions can spark overwhelming feelings of anxiety.
1: Our interview today shares the incredible story of both finding and reinventing oneself.
0: A three-sport athlete in college, Siri Lindley conquers her anxiety over playing field hockey, ice hockey, and lacrosse.
1: Fast forward seven years, Siri finds herself a two-time world champion in the women's triathlon, despite not knowing how to swim coming out to her father and navigating this new sport with zero experience to find her true passion in coaching. Here today, we have Siri Lindley. We are so excited to have her on the Sport Fuels Life podcast today. Um, Siri, thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to have you.
2: Uh, well, thank you both, Megan and Scott. I'm thrilled to be here and I'm sure we could talk for hours. So I'm sad we only have 45 minutes, but... <laughs> We'll have to do this again, too, because I know it's going to be amazing. Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, uh, yeah. So we understand you have a incredible story and we cannot wait to share this with our listeners. So, uh, you know, first off, you are a world champion triathlete, uh, cancer survivor, and you coach numerous world champions and um, you rescue horses. You do life coaching. You're an author. I mean, the list is endless. So uh, we cannot wait to dive in here and learn a little bit about you. Uh, and so with that, I think that we'd like to start off with your background in sports. Um, could you maybe share with us how you got into sports, uh, maybe when you started as a kid um, and just kind of your journey there?
2: Definitely. And it's the greatest thing ever to have been exposed to sports early on because um as a kid, you know, my mom was very athletic, but she just did things for fun. Like she would go for a run and go for a bike ride. But my dad was like, he wanted a boy. And when he showed up at the hospital to find out what my mom had produced, you know, he had a football and he had a baseball and a mitt and everything. And he's like, Oh, she's a girl and was very disappointed. And not that I knew, I mean, I'm a minute old, but I love that he wanted to have kids that were athletic because as I grew up and my parents got divorced and my mom married another guy and there was just a lot of stuff. As we all know, growing up, like childhood can be tough. And my years from like four to, you know, 18 were really difficult. Like I felt like I was taking on so much that I couldn't didn't necessarily feel I could handle. And, but I had my sports. And I played field hockey. I played ice hockey. I played lacrosse. My dad came to every single game that I had, which it obviously is a lot. My mom came to as many games as she could. So for me, you know, it's, it's how I made friends. It's how I relieved my stress. It's how I escaped you know, my own mind, because I think my biggest thing growing up was anxiety. And I just love my sports. It was a place where I would go and feel good and felt, you know, like I mattered. And um, I just loved it. So I then got into college at Brown University and really got um, kind of scouted for my ice hockey But when I arrived at Brown, um, the field hockey and lacrosse coach was the same. And they said, you can't play ice hockey. You're going to have to play field hockey and lacrosse or just ice hockey. And I was devastated that I had to give up, like, my favorite sport. So that's that's a story in itself. I'll keep going. So I'm going to stop here. But basically, sports (laughs) were always... um, the best and that and that's why I love that I'm on this podcast because it's so incredibly important to not only have that structure but that that you know experience where you're learning how to deal with with failing how to deal with making mistakes how to you know become resilient and to believe in yourself and to work together as a team I mean all these incredible things that sports provides I'm just so grateful. That my dad was so gung-ho on really pushing me you know i couldn't be more grateful
0: no that's wonderful that's it's it's such a fun story to hear again and again and again with sports making such an impact on lives and and we we absolutely want to share that impact with others and and support those that are uncertain about sports or or trying to help make an impact on other people's lives through sports and coaching Um, so real quick before we get into too much more about college or uh, what's something that you decided uh, made a big difference Uh, from another person, a coach who made a big impact in you when you were going to high school or even maybe your first college coach when they made you make that tough decision. um, What's something that you just remember and still take with you from, from that experience at a young age?
2: Well, I think I'm thinking of this for the first time, thanks to your question, Scott. I think that even my coach in college telling me that I had to make a choice and it's not what I wanted. It was heartbreaking for me. But it kind of does prepare you in life for those moments when you're going to have a huge decision to make, you know, choosing between two different job offers or choosing between two different colleges that you get into. And so often when I look back at the times in my life that were the most difficult, those are the times that in moving through that, you become someone that Is stronger more resilient you know braver more courageous because of that and so I think that moment you know realizing that in life you're gonna have to make some hard choices and eventually you know for three years I just played field hockey and lacrosse and then I was like you know what maybe I can do it all and I kind of took a chance on me and I told my coaches I'm gonna play ice hockey and she said well Well, I won't tell you the conversation we had. She was not happy about it. and um, But what that did too is it taught me that if I wanted to do it all, I was going to have to work harder and find a way, micromanage my time and really learn how to um, lead my life in a way that would allow me to do all three things. And I was able to do that, thank goodness. But I think... Um, yeah, learning that you're going to have to make some tough decisions, and sometimes if you do choose a decision that may not be the popular one, it's not really going to be easy, but if you want it bad enough, if you believe in it bad enough, you will find a way to make it happen. And But that kind of action is reserved for those moments where you just know that this is something that you want. And I mean, there's, you learn every day when you're involved in sports, but I hope that answered your question.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, the, the challenge of making a choice is something, especially today, I think a lot of people struggle with because there aren't as many opportunities um, to push people to make choices faster. You kind of have so much time or it's okay to do nothing more than making a choice and standing for something nowadays. So uh, I, yeah, I love, I love that answer. Absolutely.
2: And I think it's believing so often we we do what has been done before you know and at brown nobody had ever played three sports and i thought to myself well just because it's never been done before who's to say that it can't be done in the future and i think that's where um, my kind of desire to want to take on the impossible and believe that there's a chance In taking that step there, that gave me more confidence in the future when I decided I wanted to do things that, you know, were kind of unheard of, at least in my circle. Um, Yes, so I think that's important, too, is, is understanding that you are so much more powerful than you could ever imagine. And don't just aim to do what's been done before. Dream big. And if it really matters to you, if if there's a real strong reason why you you are determined to make this happen, like believe and go after it and try and find a way. And you never know. You may just get there.
0: Now, that's yeah, the message again just echoes championship mentality and a great mentality for what you've done and and how you achieve that. I do have to have to question and pause. What was some of the bigger struggles was because I know you had a little bit of an issue in college athletics. Was that before or was that after you decided to do all three sports? And how did you kind of balance and work your way through the struggles that you had in college athletics?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'd been struggling with, probably from like age 10, all the way through college was anxiety and fear and You know, on the outside, it looked like I had it made, you know, I'm going to this amazing school, I'm getting good grades, I'm a three-sport varsity athlete, but on the inside, like, I was slowly dying, like, I just, um, I felt so terrified in my own skin, all I was thinking about is everything that I didn't want to have happen, you know, people I love dying or going away or me getting sick or, you know all these things, and I just couldn't get out of my own mind. And I felt like a crazy person. And in those days, nobody spoke about anxiety. Nobody spoke about OCD, which is what I had. I mean, I would have to prepare to go to practice like 90 minutes minimum before I actually had to leave because it would take me like an hour to leave my room putting my socks on and off, on and off, flicking the lights until I could get some horrible thought out of my mind. Like I felt like I was crazy and there was nobody to talk to because nobody ever spoke of this stuff. And so for me, when I finally got to the field, when I finally got to practice, I got around people I hid everything that I was feeling. And I just totally focused on the moment, which I think helped make me a good athlete is I was never thinking about anything else, but what am I doing in this moment? And that was my release. And I think for three years, I put it together, having that winter season where I didn't have that. And I suffered so much, especially in the winter. And I thought, not only do I want to play ice hockey because I love it, but I need that outlet. And, but basically what happened is I I'd kind of come to the end of my rope, so to speak, and I was exhausted and I felt like I just, I don't know how much longer I can continue to show up pretending that everything's fine when inside I'm dying. And it was at that point when Tony Robbins, who's one of my, he is my greatest mentor, I started finding his first book and he had cassette tapes. And there was one line that just changed my life and that was where focus goes, energy flows. Simple, simple sentence that shouldn't have had such a huge impact. But I thought to myself like, I'm the only one that can change my experience of life right now. Me. like." I would sit there and say oh i hope i'm gonna have a good game today or i hope i'm gonna it as if like it was all predestined and i'd get lucky to have a good game or not like i i felt totally like i had no control over my life and what i realized through reading his book was that i'm the conductor of my own symphony of life you are of your own life and if i don't like the music that i'm playing like i'm the only one that has the power to change it and i started thinking like like all I'm thinking about is what's missing what's wrong the problems what I have no control over no wonder I was miserable no wonder I was creating a tragedy in my own mind and and I just needed to shift to in as many moments as possible focus on what I have this great school this athletic ability you know I, I, I can get good grades and study these at this amazing school. I have friends. I have a family that loves me. Focus on that and focus on solutions, not the problem, but let's get out of the problem and focus on all positive solutions. Let's focus on what I love and and what I want to create and who I want to be rather than focusing on what I don't want to have happen, what I fear and focus on what I have all the control over, which is my own experience of life in every single moment. And this epiphany then led to me really trying to take that same discipline that I put into my my studies and my sports into my thinking. Like, okay, no, you're not gonna think about what could go wrong. You're gonna think about what could go right. You're not going to think about that other person and what they said and what they do. You're going to think about you. What can you do? And that freed me over time through, of, of, from the chains of my OCD. Like it freed me from my prison. And it's so odd because I went that long thinking that none of it was up to me, you know. And it's all up to us in every moment and so I needed to go first in in deciding that I'm no longer going to live that old story that I'm insane and I'm crazy and nobody understands and I'm in all this pain and instead I'm going to live the story that I can be happy, I can be loved, I can do great things, I can enjoy life, I can dream of a greater
1: future and
2: that it just changed everything for me sorry, you guys, I can go on and on and on. You're like, okay, I'm on question one. And there's like 80 to go. Oh gosh, no, don't stop. No, we... we are
1: absorbing everything here. And I'm taking so many notes and learning so much. And I love, love it because it's so relatable. And it sounds like college for you was a huge time of growth, um, you know, especially mentally and emotionally. And as you work through those challenges, sports was also something that kind of helped uh, distract you in a positive way to kind of pull you into the present moment. Um, So I guess my question for you would be, how was your transition from being in college and going, you know, participating in sports to having that. Meanwhile, you're coaching yourself. You are talking to yourself and, you know, through Tony Robbins as your mentor, but overall you are the one who's making those changes, coaching yourself on how to think. How did you transition from being in college and being a part of these teams to then no longer being a part of those teams?
2: I think the first thing is understanding that I'm the most important teammate that I have and learning to trust her and learning to feel safe with her, learning to appreciate her. one of the biggest things is like, I I had no idea who I was, you know, I was so wrapped up in my fear and my anxiety, like I, I had never sat down and thought, hey, what do I love? And, you know, and so I realized that if I'm gonna direct my life and try and change how I feel, I need to know who I am and I need to know what makes me happy. And one of the first things I discovered was that I was gay. And you can imagine, at that time, it wasn't, you know, widely accepted. And I'm thinking, oh, great. (laughs) Like, now I got to tackle this problem in my mind at that time. But that was a growing experience, too, to just, I didn't tell anybody. I kept it to myself, but I worked through it with myself to say, this is who you are, and it's okay, and you're going to find comfort in it. And I kind of was getting comfortable with myself because I decided I have to be an encouraging teammate here. I have to be my own biggest supporter. And it was going pretty well, except about two years later, my dad called me. And as you can kind of hear already, he was, he was my hero. And he was just wailing. On the other side of the phone crying so hard he couldn't talk and I'm thinking oh my god my dad's like dying something horrible's happened and when he finally spoke he said somebody told me that you're gay Siri I couldn't possibly have a daughter that's gay I beg you tell me right now that this is not true and in that moment, it was like I was making a choice between my relationship with my father or my relationship with me. And I said, Dad, I'm gay, but I'm the same me. Please just love me anyway. And he hung up the phone and I didn't hear from him for two years. And for the next 23 years, maybe on Christmas, I got a phone call from him. and. In that moment, you, you know it made me feel like everything that I was, everything that I had become, everything that I had achieved meant nothing now that I was gay because my hero is telling me that like i can't I can't have you in my life then and again, you get faced with these moments where... You get to choose what story in life you want to live. Just like back with the OCD, there was a point where I said, I don't want to live this story anymore. You know, I'm miserable. So I changed my story. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to know what I want. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be free of the anxiety. And in this moment, you know, I could have chosen to listen to the story he was telling me, which was, I'm gay. I should be ashamed. I'm worthless. I'm never going to be successful. I'm going to be discriminated against life. It's going to be horrible. I could have lived that story, but I was not willing to live that story. I'd suffered already way too much. And so what his rejection did is it gave birth inside of me to this insatiable hunger, this determination, this drive, this, this, this passion to want to do whatever it took to prove to myself Most importantly, that even as a gay woman, I'm worth something. I can achieve amazing things. I can make a difference in this world. And I can be loved. Most importantly, I can be loved by myself. And years later, like literally 10 years ago, I looked back because I'd been holding so much anger around this and so much resentment. And I thought, you know, with the people that have hurt us, if you're going to blame them for all the bad, your pain, you know, how you have suffered, you also need to blame them for the good. And what I realized in that moment is that he was exactly the father I needed him to be to become the person that I'm so proud to be today. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I achieved and take on this impossible dream and triathlon and find a way to become a world champion when I don't even know how to swim. Like that happened because of how I felt in that moment when he rejected me. Good news is, it's not a sad story because just about uh, five years ago, I called him to thank him. I said, you broke my heart, but I forgive you. Because when we hold on to that anger and resentment and we don't forgive, That takes away from us. That holds us back. That gives us an excuse as to why we haven't had the success that we dreamed of or why we don't have the loving, amazing relationships that we feel we so deserve. We have an excuse. So when we forgive, it frees us. And it takes us from being disempowered to being empowered. And so I called him and I told him how he broke my heart, but I forgive you, Dad, and I want to thank you and I said exactly what I just said before. And he said, you know, I've been feeling such pain over what happened for so long. I'm so sorry, I'm so proud of you. And I love you so much. And here's the thing, just, I I know you didn't plan on going here and I hope that this is okay, but I think this is so important because when we're angry at someone that has hurt us, like we never think about how much they're hurting over what happened. And what I had forgotten about for so many years is he tried to call me a number of times and any opportunity where he called, I would answer the phone and I would just start unleashing my anger, my pain every time. And here he is, he's trying to call me, but that's what he gets met with. Like, no wonder he didn't call me all the time. Would you want to call me if I'm just ripping you into pieces? So I think forgiveness is so important and that also means forgiving yourself. Maybe you had a bad game, maybe you had a bad race, maybe you didn't do your best in school. Like you did the best that you could with what you knew at the time. You did the best that you could with the tools. I did the best that I could with the tools that I had at the time dealing with that pain. And we must forgive ourselves in order to move on So no matter what it is, whether it's just a bad game, a bad practice, a bad moment, forgive yourself and move on, free yourself to be all that you dream of being. That didn't answer your question, but oh, well.
1: No, it sure did. I'm so sorry,
2: you guys.
1: No, I I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think that that's something that everyone can relate to on some level um, and, you know, just forgiveness and sharing that um, is a very, you know, parents are also someone they, they are so impactful in our lives and to have that sort of tension with a parent, you know, that's, I'm so glad that things are better now and that you worked through that and that you really used it to shape your story. Um, so I think that you mentioned quite a few things in there also as to how it relates to the success that you ultimately had as an athlete. Um, it sounds like that's something that kind of drove you forward and propelled you towards, you know, achieving the impossible. And so you actually tried the triathlon without knowing how to swim?
2: Yeah, I went and just watched a friend who was doing a race one day and I just, what I loved is I saw all these people, different ages, different sizes, different ability levels, mm, but yeah. they all just looked so alive, like they were finding themselves through this challenge of the swimming, the biking, and the running. And at that time, you know, I'm needing something to be able to find me and, and love and appreciate me and, and prove that I'm strong and I'm brave and I can do this. And so when she crossed the line, I was like, I've got to do this. Coach me, please. I want to do it. And and she said, yeah, I'll coach you. Do you know how to swim? And I'm like, "Um, I know how to not drown. (laughs) And, um, And it was after my first race where I came in dead last, humiliated myself, or I felt humiliated because... I got in a lane that was, like, way too fast for me. And people were like, what are you doing in my lane? What are you? You don't even know how to swim. And on the bike, you know, I had my helmet backwards. I run the 5K, you know, with my helmet on for half of it and came in last. But when I crossed that line, like, I had never felt so alive in my entire life. And that night, I actually I was lying in bed, and I actually started crying because all the things I was oblivious to you know when you're in the moment you're competing and or you're taking on a challenge you're not paying attention to things going on around you but as I lay in bed that night you know I saw the guy in the pool that's like what are you doing in this lane you know and yelling at me and people just like laughing at me with my spandex pants over my bathing suit and everything was like discombobulated kids laughing at me and it all came and like bombarded me and I just started to cry and I walked into my mom's bedroom and she said honey I'm so proud of you you did it you know now you can go do things that you're good at and (laughs) I looked at her and I said mom I'm gonna be the best in the world in this sport and she looked at me like I was just had lost all my marbles and I didn't say that to anyone else just so you know because that would have been ridiculous but when you declare something like that I don't know it reminds me of like kids that are like dad mom I'm gonna be a policeman one day it reminds me of that kind of a moment even though I'm 23 and when you declare it to the person that matters most to you in your life there's a power to that And she looked at me and she said, well, I'll I'll like emotionally support you for the next two years, but promise me after that, you'll, if it's not working out, you'll do something else. And I made that promise. Um, But it's one of those things, I don't know if you you two agree with this, when somebody tells you or you can just tell that they're like, you're never going to be able to do that, that that lights a fire. And I just knew that I was going to do whatever it took to make this happen. I would devote my life so I immersed myself in the sport. I got a swim coach. I got a regular coach. I moved to Colorado. You know, I read every book, talked to every single triathlete. I was a complete nightmare for the triathletes around me because they were just like, who is this girl? Went, moved to Australia after a couple years and modeled the best athletes in the sport. Put myself in positions. Here's the biggest thing. I mean, and it wasn't hard to do. Put myself in positions where I was always the slowest in the pool, the slowest on the bike, the slowest on the run, and just getting my butt kicked every single day. And as I got better, obviously, I trained with different types of people, but I always put myself in positions where... I was being stretched and it wasn't about, you know, eight years later, I became a world champion. A lot happened in between that, but it wasn't that moment that was everything. You know, you get the gold medal around your neck. It was the journey. I was able in that moment to think, wow, look what I have done eight years of failing over and over and over again. But then every time I failed, you know, I learned and I grew and because of that, I made progress and I got a step further ahead. Like you have to fail if you wanna succeed. It's a part of the process. And I hate to see when people try something once and they fail and they give up. It's like, no, 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 that's like a necessary part. You have to become someone willing to fail If you want to achieve something, great. And so in that moment of putting the medal around my neck, it was more not me thinking about that exact moment, but thinking about how grateful I was that I never, ever gave up through those struggles and that I never, ever stopped believing no matter how bleak my future looked. And that's what it takes. And I want to tell that real story because if people don't share how tough it is, Then if a kid's trying to take up a new sport and they're having a tough time, but nobody says that you're going to fail and you're going to be disappointed and you're going to make mistakes, then they're going to give up and think this isn't for me. Like, I want everyone to know that this is what it looks like sometimes. Sometimes there's, but I think, you know, being vulnerable and sharing the truth about what it's taken for the two of you to become as extraordinary as you are. I'm sure it wasn't all roses, right? No, absolutely, absolutely not, not. <laughs> <laughs> but do you share that like and I'm sure you do because I get a sense of that but it's so important for kids these days to, to not just think oh to get to the top you have to be perfect and you know you're already good at it and you just get whatever it is like I just think it's so important for these stories to be told so that it gives hope to the people that may not you know be good in the first moment nobody is
0: uh, we, we both have had our fair share of failing, and that's uh, in our previous podcast, Davis Robinson said success leaves clues and uh, and the clues that keep coming up over and over and over again are being willing to fail and being able to put yourself back in a position where you will fail again in order to help improve and uh, and so that's so exciting that that you say that and it, it's yeah. again to, to go from three sports in college which is tough enough to decide to do that to go through the hardships that you went through with your family and your own personal mentality of what you were struggling with and then to pick up something you've never done before and find races to be around people that would beat you in each individual section of the of the Ironman triathlon it, it's like it just it hits home so well, especially because we both coach other younger athletes as well. And, and uh, that story of finding um, enjoyment in the process and knowing that the process has failure to be a part of it, it just it doesn't get uh, shared enough to where it sticks to enough too many people. And so the, the more we can do that, the more we can share that, the more we can help people grow and not be afraid of growth. It's so powerful, and, and, and just like you said, it's not just powerful, but it's empowering others. And that's the best part about sports to us and how we wanna share sports fueling life because that lesson transcends everything on or off the field, the the, the raceway, anything that it is. That, that seeking failure in life helps people become who they are, just as you've mentioned today. And, and, and thank you so much for sharing that story. It's, it, it, every part of that was so emotional and so meaningful. Um, no matter what it was directly at the question or not. Um, Well,
2: thank you for that. And just as a little thing that people can think of, I said to myself, I'm either winning or learning, but winning didn't mean first place. Winning meant just better, just being better than I was the day before, whether that was physically, mentally, emotionally, being better, making progress. So I was either winning or learning. And there was no losing there was no failing and when i kind of adopted that mindset um it just allowed those disappointments to not derail me completely i said okay well that's definitely not as fun as the winning part but it's a necessary part so yeah thank you thank you for that
1: speaking of failure i think on that note with pole vaulting, um, we always end on failure because we have three attempts to clear a height. And if you don't clear by that third attempt, you're out. Um, so we are very familiar with that as well. Um, and so, you know, every meet, unless you're attempting a world, you know, or unless you're willing, winning the meet and you're just going out, you are ending on failure. So that is something we can definitely relate to. Um, that
2: gave me goosebumps for some reason. I don't know. That's just so powerful. Just the thought of it. And I didn't think about that, but you're right. And yeah, that's powerful. I love that.
1: Yeah. And so I guess, obviously you've developed this insanely incredible mentality and outlook on life and that propelled you to be the best in the world um would you say that obviously triathlon training is intense there i'm sure long hours um, because it's an incredible event i would i would love to be able to complete one one day that is very respectable but, uh, okay, woo. Woo. <laughs> Sweet. um, and so with, I mean, making the steps from those failures to completing a triathlon, finishing last in your first one, and then to becoming a world champion, what would you say are just some key factors, key points in that pursuit of greatness that led you to your success?
2: I'd say definitely. You know, start with that ultimate goal, but then kind of put it away. Like, like, you really commit to it like I did. It's in there. But if I'd said every day, you know, I want to be that person and here I am coming in last place in a sprint race in the middle of nowhere, I could get really discouraged. So it's a matter of having that ultimate goal. Like, I want to be a policeman, the young young boy says. And then, so for me, it's all about stories. Like, I could have had the story that I'm 23, I don't know how to swim. I love triathlon, but it's obviously not for me because I'm 23 and I don't know how to swim. And I wouldn't be here today. I really don't think so. But instead, I chose to live a different story which was I'm 23 I don't know how to swim but I have this (laughs) deep emotional reason why I have to do this and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there and I will be a world champion one day and then what happens even though in that moment did I believe I'm going to be a world champion of course not but I wrote the story that one day I would be. And what that led me to do is to start thinking like a person that was going to be a world champion one day, start acting like a person. What would that person do today? Would they sleep in and laze around and watch TV? Or would they get up and go to the pool at 6 a.m. and eat healthy, buy healthy food, drink a ton of water? What would that person do? Even though I wasn't that person yet, what would that person do? And so it's role playing. Mm -hmm. that new story it's conditioning yourself to become the person that will be able to win a world championship one day so that story is up to you and it requires you getting super uncomfortable thinking well I'm not good I suck at this like I can't pretend to be this no but you can make the same decisions you can believe the same things you can role play it and I don't even know what the question was. I completely just completely went off track. Yeah, no,
1: just, um, kind of just how the role playing and that ties back into find finding that ultimate success. Um, and that's something else I love so much about the triathlon is it is such a physical accomplishment to be able to even complete that. Um, so I can just imagine how intense that is and just rewarding. And so, um, Oh, I know what
2: you asked. You asked three things. (laughs) Sorry, I'm remembering now. Three things. So that's one of them is tell yourself a story that's going to empower you and inspire you and get you to act as if you are going to be that person that does this or does that. Secondly, it's really understanding that we as human beings are so much more powerful than we could ever imagine. You are so much stronger than you think. You are so much braver than you think. You are so much more capable than you think. And because of that, really, you know, kind of keep the ceiling open and don't limit yourself. Like I was saying earlier, don't limit yourself to what you think is impossible because then you won't even try at all. But believe that there's something more, I guess. It's a faith in you as a human being. It's a faith in our capabilities because I truly believe that even when we are like feeling like we are maxed out in our effort, that we're probably at like 60% of what we're capable of. And I learned that kind of later on in my career. But once I learned that, you know, my kind of expectations for myself, increase dramatically and also my confidence in pushing my own athletes Um, when they say I can't go any harder I can't go any faster and they believe it in that moment they believe it but I'm there because I know this because I've witnessed this because I have been this I'm there to put my hand on their back and up the speed and keep them there until they prove to themselves that it actually is possible.
1: Wow. And
2: do I love doing that? No, because <laughs> it's scary for them. Sometimes they'll do it on their own, but it really is like I'm like, "How are you? Are you alive? Are you are you dead? Are you like?" And they're like, "No, it's actually like not that bad." So it's it's you have to go there, and sometimes you need someone else to push you there. But sometimes it's like, "Hey, just get curious." get curious. Like, am I really flat out? Is this really all I have really just get curious and try a little bit
0: more. Get curious. I love that. And, and, and moving from athletes to coaching and sharing your experience with others. I mean, what really drew you to sharing your experiences with those athletes and, and what's a memorable story? I guess if we could get one specific story that really pops up in your brain, uh, that, that, embodies why you chose to do what you do after the athletes
2: (laughs) yeah you know when i won the world championships i was actually i wanted to retire i found what i was looking for and what i was looking for was a love for myself a worthiness from within a belief in myself and i wanted to retire but i actually Stayed one more year because I didn't want my inner critic to suddenly say, oh, it was a fluke. Oh, you got lucky. Like I wanted to prove to myself that I believe that that wasn't lucky. It's me. I did it. So I retired at number one in the world and all I wanted to do was start coaching because I felt like how many other people like me are out there that aren't even trying to do something that they dream of doing because you know, they don't fit the bill of what that kind of an athlete is. And so one of my first athletes is a girl named Miranda Carfrey. She's a, now a four-time world champion, uh, one time at the half distance, three times at the Ironman distance. And she was a basketball player, couldn't swim. I mean, so much like me, didn't know how to swim and just developed, I mean, into one of the best athletes this sport has ever seen and i guess i'm going to share a story so so Rinnie is her name um we went to the ironman world championship she wanted to be an ironman athlete now i raced the short course olympic triathlon which is like a two-hour race you go as hard as you can until you just drop she wanted she said coach my biggest dream is to be an ironman world champion and again this comes down to our stories like I thought, I've only done short course. How can I coach an athlete to an Ironman? And But instead of living that story, because I wanted to be the coach for her, I said, okay, yeah, but I'm a world champion. And I took myself from nothing to being able to accomplish this. I have everything I need inside and the curiosity to coach her to become a world champion. And again, it's role-playing that story. Did I believe I could do it? No, but I started doing everything that, A coach that could do that would do. I learned from other people, the top people in Ironman, and created my own strategy and got her on board. And eventually, first year she raced, she came in second. Everybody was laughing at us when we got there because she'd never run a marathon in her life. I'd never run a marathon, much less coach someone to run a marathon. So people were like, oh my God, here comes the Bobsy twins here, you know. But she (laughs) broke the course run record. Next year, won it and i know we're getting close guys but i can take this to 350 so because i saw you getting
0: nervous absolutely and like,
2: all your time <laughs> but <laughs> so the second year she won it she became an iron man world champion and it was amazing the third year she came in third and she was really disappointed and she came up to me and she said coach you know i think i just I've learned as, as much as I can learn from you. I think I need to spread my wings, find some other people that can, you know, get me where I want to go. And that was another one of those moments where I'm faced with, I don't matter. I had nothing to do with this. I'm just blessed to have this extraordinary athlete who found her way to winning an Ironman World, World Championship. I didn't want to live that story. Cause I probably would have just stopped coaching, but instead I'm like, wait a second. Like I had a huge, you know, part, I was a big part of this. So this other athlete came to me, Leanne Cave. she was already an Olympic distance world champion. And she asked me to coach her and she said, I have one goal I haven't achieved yet. And I want to become an Ironman world champion. And I was like, oh my God, I want you to be an Ironman world champion. Okay, let's get together. I'm going to coach you. And it was so interesting because, you know, with every athlete is so unique. And the way I coached Leanda was totally different to how I had coached Marinda, Rinnie. And you have to understand that it's not a one size fits all, like probably you two are trained differently to each other, even though you do the same sport. Yeah. So I take on Leanda. I obviously had a huge reason why I wanted her to win a world championship. She had this burning desire, and we made the perfect team because we both wanted it so bad and believed in each other. Well, that year, we're at the Ironman World Championships, and at mile 13 of the run, Leanda's in the lead. And right where I'm standing, which is right at this place, right before you go into this place called the Energy Lab, it's like four miles of the hottest, most humid like horrific part of the course. And right as Leanda got to me, Rinny caught her right in front of me. And I look at Leanda and I say, Leanda, you know what to do. And they head into the energy lab. And at this point, no spectators can go down there. Which is horrible for a coach. You're like, oh my God, what's happening? And I'm listening in my headphones, and they're saying, oh, it's all over Red Rover. When Rinny catches somebody on the run, they're done. But wow, what a valiant effort by Leanda. Like that was just fantastic. And I'm standing there, and about 30 minutes later, there's like a fog, you know, at the top of the energy lap because it's so hot in there. Yeah,
1: I and I see us. one thing. Oh. In-
2: one figure coming up the hill and I'm like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like at first, actually, I don't think I ever thought it's not Leanda, which was bizarre because everyone's telling me how it's over. Leanda will be dropped and it's Leanda and she's at the top and there's no Rinnie in sight. And I have goosebumps all over my body right now telling this story. And wow. she looks at me, she's got six miles to go and she throws her fuel belt and she says, I got this coach.
1: And oh my gosh! She won
2: the world championships on that day. And it was like the happiest moment of my entire life to that point because everyone doubted her because she was an older athlete. Even when I told my last coach that I was going to coach her, he said, ah, now she's, her nickname was the bird. He said, the bird's flown the coop. Her career's over. And I said, no, nah, I don't think so. I believe in her and I want to do this. Anyway, so we won the world championship. Rini came back to me, which I love, and we won two more world championships together. So it's wow. stories. There's two lessons here. One, never listen to if somebody for some reason cuts you from a team or seats you on the bench. Don't listen to what they're trying to tell you that you're not good enough. You shouldn't be here. You get to tell yourself the story that you want to live, and that is that I will show them that they cannot keep me on the bench. I will show them that they need me on this team. And on the other side of things, you know, you may make some decisions in your life that you wish you didn't make. It doesn't mean you can't go back and have a conversation and say, hey, I made a mistake. Can we try this over again? Because so often. We sometimes leave things and then we figure out, why did I do that? There's no shame in coming back. And I think I, I respect Rinnie so much and love her so much for the fact that she didn't say, oh, well, my fault, I left, and that she had the courage to come back. And look what we were able to achieve because of that. So believe in you. Believe in the people um, that you've done great things with and um, just never, ever, ever give up. Live the life that you wanna live. Nobody can tell you who you (laughs) are what to believe or what you're capable of. You get to go first in deciding all of that for
1: yourself. Wow, I love this. I wish we could keep talking and have (laughs) more time. I want to learn more about just triathlons and your athletes and your stories. This has been so fun and we really appreciate you sharing your story with us. just so that we can have our listeners follow you and find you where is a good spot for them to learn more about you and follow you in your story
2: ah well i would love for you to follow me i'm on instagram at siri lindley facebook siri lindley twitter siri lindley or you can go to my website uh www.siri um but yeah, follow along. I try to post some really, you know, inspirational stuff. But uh, to all of you, just live the life of your dreams because you can. And you too, Scott, Megan, you're amazing. So thank you for doing this uh, for the world and for having me here. I just feel really honored that um, you asked me to be a part of it.
1: I am honored. all <laughs>
0: Yeah. Really. Love thank your you. energy. Yeah. Keep, keep spreading it. And we're excited yeah. to share your energy with others as well. So. Very, thank very you honest. so much,
1: you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. Guys. Hope you have a great I'll rest see of your you day. Again soon. We'll That's see you right. Soon. We'll be in touch. Right. Thank, thank you, you Sarah. Bye. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. If you like this episode, please subscribe and consider leaving us a review so others can find us more easily.
0: It really means a lot to us and it helps us get the word out. We're always looking for new stories to share here on our show.
1: If you know someone, they would be a great guest. Tell us their story by nominating them on our website at sportfieldslife.com. Thanks, Thanks for listening. For listening.